It's that time again. It's Greek for the week. I'm Chris Palmer. Let's open our Bibles and get right down to the original language, the Greek. God bless you. It's the Greek for the Week podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We're going to Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8 today, and we're going to see part of how the book of Revelation concludes. I'm going to make a few points here, and then, uh, so if you have your Bible, go to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, and as you turn there, I want to encourage you to get a copy of Letters from Jesus. It's not out yet. It comes out in September, and uh, we want to make sure that we do our job to pre-order the book. Right now, it is climbing its way up. Amazon. Um, I've watched it climb. Let me see here. Letters from Jesus. Chris Palmer. I'm going on Amazon page right now. Pick it up. We want to make sure it gets to the top of biblical languages. Um, so it's climbed. It's climbed. It's good to see that. I'm going to read to you a quote, a review from the book, an editorial review from Philip H. Mayo, Philip L. Mayo, excuse me, PhD, Biblical Studies Chair at North Central University. This is what it says. Letters from Jesus makes accessible to every believer a book of the New Testament often avoided, the book of Revelation. Chris Palmer offers 52 studies from the Greek text that will be a delight for every reader. In these studies, Chris leads his readers through a portion of text from the letters to the churches of Revelation while mining spiritual insights from the Greek text that are colorfully illustrated with warm personal stories and encouraging words from a pastor's heart. These studies are sure to be a blessing to many. My only hope is that another book is forthcoming. Fantastic. Thank you, Dr. Mayo. All right, so go on Amazon today. I'll put the link in the show notes. And order your copy and order one for a friend. It's not going to let you down. I really, if you like Greek for the Week, you're going to like this book. If you like Greek for the Week, Wednesdays, or you go back through the archive and you, 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 you learn from them, if, if Greek has if it's inspired you to go into the Greek language and to study, or has helped your personal study. See, you know, when you study Greek, you're going to go into the mechanics of the language. It's not going to give you the personal applications that I give you in Greek for the week. So if it's helped you to find both, then this book is going to be for you. All right, Revelation 21.8. Now, let's understand something about the book of Revelation, or the apocalypse as we call it. It is a political critique of the Roman Empire at that time. Now, I do believe that there are few, there is future fulfillment to the book of Revelation, so I'm not a preterist. Um, I don't necessarily like to categorize myself into one of the four, you know, this preterist, historicist, spiritualist, and futurist. I think that there's future fulfillment. I don't think preterism is, in fact, correct. That's actually the minority of scholarship. I would say the majority of scholarship is future, or the majority is futurist, believing that there's future fulfillment to the book. But I don't think all of it, I, but there's also a cyclical perspective, and that means that you believe the book of Revelation, as you get through the different uh, the seven judgments that sit right there kind of at the heart of the book are kind of cyclical, telling, retelling the same story of God's people, uh, the sufferings of God's people. And then finally, uh, which is pretty much Revelation chapter, I think it's nine, eight, no, 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 six through 15. You're going through the same stories with the same uh, judgments. And then as you move out of that, you start to see the victory of the people of God in heaven, overcoming the beast. And that's what this book is about. And here in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, we are met with um, God encouraging his people to persevere through the many challenges they were faced with on the earth so they can inherit in the future eschaton God's blessings. Now, these challenges were not light at all. 
like I said before, political idolatry, persecution, isolation from society, the temptation to assimilate into the wicked culture. Remember that this portion of Scripture, the 21st chapter, the whole book of Revelation, was being written to seven churches, like in my book. Being written to those seven churches, Ephesus, Sardis, Smyrna, Thyatira, Pergamum, uh, Laodicea, Philadelphia, being written to those churches, and Jesus was telling them to stay faithful, stand with the Lamb, and to persevere. And, and if they would do that, they would experience the blessings of God in the eschaton. Then he says that in order to be included into the people of God, there had to be faithfulness to the Lamb. Now, that's the goal of Christianity. The goal of Christianity isn't necessarily always to just, you know, get what you want, have the life you've always wanted. The goal of Christianity is to stay faithful to Jesus and not sell out one way or the other. There's a lot of exits. If Christianity is a highway, there are a lot of exits that you can take. You can get off on this one or that one. You can get off on... But he wants you to stay faithful unto the end, even when that highway becomes difficult and challenging. And he says here in verse number 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immortal, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake of fire that burns with, uh, the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now I want to focus on this word here, cowardly. Now this this is actually interesting in the Greek. It says, well, toiste delois. And maybe what's interesting about this is this is a list that primarily concerns itself with sinners, okay? Primarily concerns itself with people that have no faith, as it said, and those who are not part of the people of God. And, and we find lists like this throughout the New Testament that is talking about behavior that constantly excludes people from being considered God's end-time church his end-time uh, uh, covenant believers. But at the beginning of this list, we find the cowardly, and that actually is referring to those who were part of his church and part of his covenant community. It, it, so you find Christians in a list of sinners, and it's alluding to the fact that those Christians are taking an exit and walking away from the faith. But it's interesting that they, he puts that right here. He's talking about those that were in the church and part of God's people, this is how you take an exit and turn your back on the faith, is you become cowardly. Now, remember at that time, it took a lot of courage to be a Christian. And depending on what country you live in today, it takes you courage more or less. Now, you might not be in a foreign country that's persecuting Christians, but you might live in a dorm in college that they do it. You could live in a house where you're the only Christian and other people are not interested in what you think spiritually and are not concerned about your relationship with the Lord, maybe even look down on you because of it. So it's going to take you some courage to do that. And at that time, there were Christians that were walking away from the faith because it was too difficult and was making for an uncomfortable lifestyle. And the scripture calls those people delois or cowardly. And in the Greek, it means timid. It means afraid. It means one who runs away, and even one who runs away at nothing. Now, this was used in the Greek to describe skittish and nervous animals that fled even 
at the slightest sound of the unknown. You know, it reminds me, I live in a kind of a wooded area. Well, it has woods around it. There's a lake and it's real nice and there's a lot of wildlife in nature and there are deer. And if you get too close to those deer, they will run. And even if they see you from maybe 50 yards away and you make a motion that you're coming towards them, they're gone. Boom. They're skittish. They leave. Especially in the fall when they know they're going to be hunted. They know when that time is coming and they just get out of there. They run away. And that's what it means. That's what it meant to be a coward or to be timid is that you are running at the first sign of danger. And this is referring to believers who at the first sign of their faith being tested, they cower. And God's word is telling us that there are those people that are in our churches that will end up cowering when given the chance to stand up for their faith. So that means what this looks like is they could end up modifying their practices to suit secularism. They might dismiss or explain away biblical truths in order for their Christianity to seem more tolerant or even compromise the exclusivity of Christ and the cross so that they aren't called bigoted. Now, that is happening all over the place today, is that Christians are being called narrow-minded and uh, racist, bigots, uh, intolerant especially, because they, 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 don't, they don't get down with other religions. They believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and no, way, no man comes unto the Father except through Jesus. And that can be considered, not, well, by the world, the world considers that bigoted, intolerant, divisive, and there are Christians that will modify themselves, okay, people, I should say, that modify their faith, take into account to this, uh, let's not ruffle any feathers, let's just try to all get along. When asked about hell, when asked about eternal punishment, they, they just don't stand up for the truth because they don't want to offend anybody. And I don't, I'm not, I don't have anybody particular in mind, so don't tell me, don't say I'm referring to this preacher or that preacher. I, I really am not trying to get into what I think of this. I, I, when I've done Instagram um, surveys and stuff, people ask me what I think of the big-time preachers, and I just I don't have an opinion. I'm just trying to preach the Bible, just trying to preach the Word of God. I, these are people that, that preach the cross. Um, I, I, I really just don't have the time to concern myself with that, and I'm not even a, in a position really to concern myself with that. So the point I'm making is, if you ask me if there's hell, yes. Are you telling me, Pastor Palmer, if someone doesn't accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'll go to hell? That's what the Bible says. So yes, I believe the Bible. That's what my faith believes, and that's what I believe. And we have to be bold about it. And it doesn't matter. If you seem bigoted, if you seem divisive, then so be it. I mean, I'm willing to live with that. But what I'm not willing to live with is turning my back on Jesus and not contending for the faith that was given to the saints and not preaching the full, true gospel. Now, there's ways to do it so that you don't, you're not obnoxious. You need to preach under the anointing of the Holy Spirit by the power of the Spirit of God. You need to let God open up opportunities for you in, in, in a lot of these cases and not just be one of these guys out there with a the street sign telling people they're going to hell. But you have to stand up for the faith when you're given the chance. So if you're in college today, don't sell out when you're in your dorm and people make fun of you because you're praying or because you're reading scripture. Or if you have a college professor that likes to make fun of you because, because you aren't down with evolution and you stand for creationism, let them make fun of you. You are entitled to believe what it is that you want to believe, even if somebody wants to mock it or ridicule it. But don't be a coward. Don't run 
when it looks like you're going to lose friends. Don't run when it looks like you're going to get marked down on a grade and assignment. Don't run when it looks like your family is uh, maligning you and turning their back on you because the reward is going to be worth it. So if you want to stand with the lamb, it takes boldness, it takes courage, it takes uh, not being concerned with the world. Don't be cowardly, don't be daylois, because Jesus has warned his churches not to be that way. It could also mean becoming uh, apathetic and saying, oh, I got the life, now I'm just going to relax and I don't want to give up my comforts. No, 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 I just, listen, um, I have money, I have wealth, I have a good life. Why ruin all that by trying to get into religious discussion with people? Let people live the way they want to live. Listen, if you believe hell is real and you believe people are going there, there has to be a point in time we talk to people about that and confront them about that and bring to them the gospel. So let the Holy Spirit use you. Ask him today for boldness so that you aren't numbered as one of the cowardly. Let's stand up for Jesus, even if this world hates us for it. Amen? All right, letters from Jesus. Go on Amazon today. Pick it up. It's going to be a blessing to you in your life. Pick one up for a friend and tell him letters from Jesus. We want to get the message out. I believe the book is going to bless you in a phenomenal way, okay? We love you so much. We'll talk to you next time on Greek for the Week. Be bold and stand up for Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support us further, you may visit us on the web at lightoftoday.org. God bless and good studying.